organization is quite familiar to me because in various places of the world I have been invited to counsel as well as to lecture. In about 12 cities in America, Alcoholics Anonymous organizations have invited me to come and speak with them. And uh, not only to lecture, but to develop very intimate, confidential, and personal relationships with many of the members. Of course, being a spiritual lecturer and a spiritual guide in many ways, I'm also asked to speak and to help at various religious institutions, Hindu institutions, Muslim institutions, as well as, of course, in America, Christian and Jewish institutions, speaking at religious schools, churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples. And I would like to say with a very honest and sincere heart that of all the churches and religious organizations I have found in the various parts of the world where I travel, Alcoholics Anonymous organization more than practically any other spiritual institution sincerely turns people to take shelter of the Supreme God. And therefore, in my heart, I have deep respect and regard for the organizers of this organization and for those who thanklessly extend themselves to help others to understand the power of the mercy of God through this great organization of the Alcoholics Anonymous. You see, in the various religions today, most people have a very superficial, ritualistic approach to God. In America, probably in India as well, in the Christian churches, most people come and think that if they offer their prayers, if they give their, their donation on Sunday, then they're taking care of the religious part of life. Religion has become more of a traditional social approach to God rather than a deep heartfelt approach with a desire to surrender. Now what did Jesus teach? In the Bible, Lord Jesus Christ taught, either you're hot or you're cold, but if you're lukewarm, I spit you out. Now, Jesus is a representative of God. There is one God for all the religions of the world. Just like the sun in the sky, it is the same sun for all the different countries of the world. Although in English we call him the sun, in India, you may call Surya. In Spain, they call Sol. But it's the same sun. But according to different languages, he is addressed by different names. So similarly, God has different names. Yahweh, Allah, Jehovah, Rama, Krishna, Madhusudana. But we are speaking about different qualifications, different qualities, different characteristics of that one supreme infinite God who is the father of all living beings. And all the religions of the world 
are not meant to teach a sectarian concept which breeds hate, envy, rivalry, terrorism, violence, and war. But the various religions in the world are meant to bring about love of God, which creates compassion, mercy, and harmony, and unity amongst fellow men, amongst all living beings, indeed. When Lord Jesus Christ was asked, what is the first and foremost of all commandments? He did not say to be a Christian. He said to love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And one who is doing that is a Christian. Not one who simply says, I'm a Christian, and writes the cross and goes to church and prays. But one who hopelessly, helplessly cries out for the mercy of God. And through that process develops love of God. He is a Christian. Similarly, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Sarva dharaman parityajya mam ekam saranam braja aham tvam sarva papebyo moksha ishami masucha. He says, abandon all other varieties of religion. Abandon all your conceptions of tradition, ritual, and everything else, and simply understand that the goal and the purpose is to surrender to the Supreme God, to love God. What Krishna is saying and what Lord Jesus Christ is saying is identical. And the Srimad Bhagavatam says, Dharma Shwanushtata Pungshang Vishwakshena Katashiyat Nautpadya Yatirjim Shrama Evahi Kevalam that whatever religion you follow, whatever you call it, if in the end it does not develop pure love of God, surrender to God, helplessly crying out for the mercy of God, then all your religious practices, all your affiliations are simply a waste of time. I heard many of our previous brothers who spoke this evening discuss how an alcoholic is not a bad man, not a madman, but a sick man. That is true. But it is not only true for the alcoholics, but it is true for the entire human society today. Practically everyone within this society is sick. And if you read the newspapers, you'll find very, very substantial evidence of this fact. There is violence, there is terrorism, there is greed, there is so much sinful activities going on in this world, which is causing so much suffering individually, collectively, even in the name of religion. In my country, America, the wealthiest people are most inclined to become drug addicts, to have to go to psychiatrists and psychologists <coughs> because of tremendous mental anxieties. They have to take sleeping pills just to fall asleep at night. Why? Because they're sick and they're engaging in the grossest, worst types of sinful activities which are against the laws of God. And practically all of them go to their church or synagogue every Sunday and consider themselves religious people. 
Not only that, but the wealthiest people in America are most inclined to commit suicide more than any other class of people in the world. Why is that? Because they are sick. Within our prisons all over the world, we find murderers, rapists, robbers, extortionists, child molesters, smugglers. Why are they in that prison? They are not bad men. They are not mad men, but they are sick men. Lord Jesus Christ described, what is the use if you gain the whole world if you lose your eternal soul? By his definition, anyone who is chasing after the illusory things of this world and losing his relationship with God, losing the integrity of his own soul, that person is a sick man. And I think 99.9% .9 of human society falls in that category today. Would you all agree? Sick men. Not bad, not mad, but sick. Now, until you humble yourself to admit that you're sick, you will not turn to accept the medicine, the remedy for your sickness. According to all the great religious preceptors throughout history, the remedy for the disease of society is to cry out for the mercy of God in a hopeless and helpless condition completely depending on him and him alone. The greatest disease is false pride. I'll cite an example from the Bible. Lord Jesus Christ was traveling throughout um, Palestine, Jerusalem area, spreading the pure message of love of God. His message was, the kingdom, seek ye out the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is within you. Huh? If you do not understand the kingdom of God is within you, you are a sick man. Because you are in an unnatural condition. In Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, Mamayavam so jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana that every living being is part of God. All the qualities of God is within you. You are eternal. You are full of knowledge. You are full of bliss. You are eternally the servant of God. In the Upanishad it is explained, Nityo nityanam chetanas chetananam eko bahunam yobhidadati kaman that there is one supreme eternal person and there are infinite subordinate, dependent eternal persons. Who are we? And we are constantly depending and under the supreme command of that one supreme God. So this is our natural condition, to know God and to love God. 
So Lord Jesus was preaching this message. He was not preaching a sectarian dogmatic concept, but the universal principle of love of God. Now, there were a class of men at that time called the Pharisees, who were the most pious, the most externally religious. They knew the scriptures very well. They knew the rituals perfectly. They knew the traditions expertly. But they were proud of their spiritual position. And because of that pride, they considered themselves very healthy spiritually. And thus, they never learned the art of falling at the feet of God and the holy men. So these Pharisees once invited Lord Jesus to their house to take some food. And while he was there, a very low class, ostracized prostitute came into the house. She came to the door. And these men, the priests, they said, you cannot come in our house. You are a low-class prostitute. You are an outcast. You will contaminate our house if you come in. And Jesus, he said to her, you come in. Because he saw that she had a sincere heart. And she fell at Lord Jesus Christ's feet. And she began to cry. And with her hair, she soaked her hair with her tears and began to wash his feet with her tears. And the priests were thinking, what is this, this so-called holy man allowing this low-class woman to touch him? And they began to condemn him. And he turned toward them and explained that as, as suffering as she is, as sinful as she is, she is genuinely repentant and crying out for the mercy of God. She is crying out for my help. But you men, you are not crying out. Jesus was indirectly telling them that you should become like this prostitute. Because this prostitute understood that she was suffering. She was totally rejected. She knew she was sinful. And in her heart she was crying out because she understood the gravity of her sins, the gravity of her offenses, and she had no one and nobody and nowhere to turn in life for shelter except God. And because of this approach, she became one of the greatest saints in Christian history, Mary Magdalene. She gave up her prostitution. She, de- she developed a pure life because she called out for the higher power of the mercy of God. She overcame all her obstacles. Whereas these high priests, they just went on through their life with all their pride, thinking themselves very great, very religious, very pious, 
never understanding what is religion and what is the goal of life. So yes, no one is a bad man, no one is a madman, but this whole society is sick. In this Alcoholics Anonymous organization, I have found a great beauty because people come here to congregate because they know they're sick and they admit that they're sick and they want help. They realize they are in a hopeless condition. You know, there is a saying in English that the darkest moment is before the dawn. That it is through trial, suffering and tribulation that great things are achieved. There is a story in the Srimad Bhagavatam about a very, very wealthy businessman who had a very nice family. And everything was just going on in the grand illusion of material consciousness. But then some robbers and thieves came and they stole his property, they burned his house, they destroyed his business, his family members considered he's useless, they all left him. His friends from high society found no more prestige in being with him. They rejected him. This man was all alone with nothing, laying on the ground crying. For weeks he laid there crying. He didn't even know how to get food. And in this condition, he came to the realization that I'm hopeless and I'm helpless. Only God can save me. And as soon as he came to that realization, faith awoken within his heart. And in that faith, there was infinite hope. And you know, to the degree we surrender to God to take shelter of Him, giving up our own pride and prestige, to that degree God will personally appear in our life and pick us up and help us. Whoever we are, whatever religion we call ourselves, this is a universal principle. And because of his helpless, hopeless crying out for the mercy of God, he became a great saint. He, he found infinite peace, happiness and satisfaction within his own heart. And then he shared that love with the world and became one of the greatest, most loved people in the whole society because then he had something to give until he lost everything that he was proud of in life he could not attain the treasure within his own heart by which he can truly give love to others truly help others and we find in our very dear friend Nikki I think he's here somewhere tonight. Uh, many of you may know him. And from what I have heard, our gracious hosts this evening, they were living ordinary lives. And then somehow or other, by the pressures of society and our human weaknesses, they became alcoholics. And through the process of becoming alcoholics, they became helpless, hopeless, rejected, 
They had no one to turn to and nowhere to turn. But this Alcoholics Anonymous organization gave them faith in God and taught them to helplessly cry out for the mercy of God. And God responded in their life and awarded them the greatest treasure, the most needed treasure in our society, the treasure of compassion, mercy, and love for others, the treasure of faith in the power of God. And now, I think I can ask him and they will agree, do you not have more to share with humanity than you ever did before in your life? Are you not helping others turn to find the greatest treasure more than you ever had in your life? Even when you were a sober, distinguished man in society before you had your problems? Huh? All of you here tonight are most fortunate. Yes, you are sick. Everyone's sick, but you know you're sick. And because you know you're sick and you're convinced that you're sick, you are given the path and the understanding of how to properly turn to the great physician, the Supreme Lord, and cry out for the medicine of his mercy and be relieved of this sickness. This is the goal of life for everyone. And the greatest love we can offer to our family, to our society, to our nation, to all humanity is the gift of the treasure of knowledge that our real position is to love God and to serve God. And this Alcoholics Anonymous organization is doing great work throughout the world to give persons a true understanding of how to have faith in God. how to realize our own vulnerable position in this world. We are all weak, we are all hopeless, and we are all helpless. In my country when I was a young boy, the most powerful, one of the most wealthiest, one of the most handsome, the most famous man in all of America, perhaps the world, Everyone thought he was really in control of his life. His name was John F. Kennedy. He was the President of the United States. He had the most powerful army in the world at his fingertips. He was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. He was young, he was intelligent, he was handsome, and everyone in the country loved him. He was famous, the most popular president in modern history of America. He had a beautiful wife. He had two lovely children, and everyone thought, this man has the world in his hands. Dallas, Texas, waving to all of his lovers and supporters and worshipers, and two or three little pieces of lead entered into his brain, because one person didn't like him. A few people didn't agree with his policies. With all of his power, 
with the whole Secret Service, FBI, CIA, CID, the whole U.S. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. They were all there at his fingertips with all his millions of dollars, with all his family fortune, with all his fame and all the love that everyone gave him, could anyone save him? Could he save himself? He was in a helpless, hopeless condition. And every one of us in this world at any moment, whoever we are, we find we're in a hopeless, helpless condition. Powers beyond our control overcome us. That is a fact. So an intelligent man, a wise man, understands that whoever I am, whatever position of life I am in, I am completely dependent on the mercy of God. The forces of birth, old age, disease, and death are going to come upon me and there's nothing I can do about it with all my piety, with all my wealth, with all my influence. A real sober man is not simply one who gives up drinking, but a sober man is a person who understands their helpless condition in this material world and turns to God and cries out for God and says, my dear Lord, from this day on, I am yours. I need you. I want you. I have no one but you that can ultimately save me. And those persons who remind me of you, those persons that bring me closer to you, they are my real friends in this world. One who develops this intelligence, he is sober. So... I'll I am very proud to say that this Alcoholics Anonymous organization is really an organization of sober people. The people sitting in this room are probably more sober than 95% of the population of Bombay. I give lectures and speeches at temples, mandirs, churches, <coughs> people's homes, universities, colleges, throughout this city. And looking at your faces and hearing your words, I can say you are the most sober people I found in this whole city. Huh? I'm speaking honestly. Because you people have been given a blessing. What is that blessing? That it has been revealed to you, your own weaknesses. It has been revealed to you that with all your power, with all your might, with all your influence, you cannot save yourself from suffering, embarrassment, there are forces and powers in this world far greater than you. And only the higher power of God can save you. You know what Lord Jesus said? He said, the meek shall inherit the earth. Not the proud, the meek. 
Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, there are four types of people that turn to God. Those who are in distress, those who are in poverty, those who are inquisitive, and those who sincerely seek the absolute truth. Inquisitive people are very rare. Because mostly inquisitive people, they just want to learn for their own mental understanding, but it never really makes much difference in their life. I, I give lectures at many colleges. I give lectures at universities, at churches. People are very inquisitive. But they hear, their questions are answered, they feel some intellectual satisfaction, and then they just go on with their life. Huh? Very rarely do people sincerely seek the absolute truth. But a person who is in distress, real distress, realizes, my dear Lord, I'm helpless. Only you can save me. I am your servant, please help me. Queen Kunti has said, Akinchanagocharam, that the Supreme Lord is the property of those who are in an impoverished condition, who are proud of nothing. Those people whose proud pride in life have been smashed and they have, they have nothing to be proud of of themselves. All of their self-pride has been smashed to pieces. Such people who turn to God in that state, God becomes their property. Huh? He becomes their friend, their savior, their helper. Now how do we turn to God in a helpless condition of life? There are two most important factors, according to all the great religious in the, religions in the world. One is we must seek out the association of those people who draw us nearer to God. In other words, we must associate with saintly persons. A saintly person is not necessarily one who wears saffron robes or wears a collar, a white collar or who has matted hair. A saintly person is one who is humbling himself before God and surrendering to the will of God and who is sharing that message with others. The first and most important consideration in our spiritual development is to associate with saintly persons. Associate with people who are striving on the path to God. This is one of the basic principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. To give up alcohol, you have to associate with those persons who are in that direction and give up the association of those who are constantly perpetuating the sickness that is causing their suffering in life. And the second and most simple and sublime means of curing this disease within our heart is to chant the name of God. In the Bible it is said, chant the name of God and you will be saved. This was spoken by King David in Psalms. 
And in the New Testament it is said, Hallowed be the name of God. And in the divine prayer, we pray that the name of God is divine. It is holy. In the Muslim scriptures, there are so many references to call upon the name of Allah and be saved from all the disasters of this world. And in the Vedas it is described, Harinama 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 Vakevalam Kalonasteva Nasteva Nasteva Gatirandyata that there is no more simple and sublime process for everyone and anyone to approach God than chanting his holy name. But how to chant the name of God? Many of you have seen the Mahabharat on the TV. How many of you watched Mahabharat? Please raise your hand. Everyone. Ah. You know, a few weeks ago, I had a lecture at a college in Andheri, and I was driving from Tropati, and the lecture started at 10, so we left at about 9. And usually to get to Andheri, it takes about an hour and a half, I think. Huh? We made it in about 25 minutes, because the streets were deserted. There were no cars, there were no people on the sidewalk. It was like a ghost town because everyone was watching Mahabharat. And as soon as Mahabharat was finished, right at within five minutes, all the traffic, all the people, everything was congested. So it is very popular. A few weeks ago you saw the story of the trial of Draupadi. How the great powerful hero of the Kuru dynasty, Dushasana, the leading brother of Duryodhana, grabbed her by the hair and dragged her into the court of the Kurus. Now understand Draupadi's position. She was a princess. She was born of King Drupada. She was born of the highest family. She had immense wealth. She had every opulence a person could want. She was very intelligent. She was very beautiful. High birth. Good family. She had everything. But she was put in a situation beyond her control where she was helpless. Dushasana was ordered, strip her naked. Because for a chaste woman to be naked before men is worse than death. And for her it was. Ah. When Dushasana was pulling at her sari, she was pulling back, thinking, ah, I will protect myself. But she realized all her strength and everything she had was useless. She was helpless. And in this helpless condition, she called out the name of God. 
Hey Krishna, hey Govinda. And because of the quality of utter dependence on the mercy of God, knowing her helpless condition, Krishna immediately responded to the quality of her chanting and saved her. So many people go to the temple and chant the names of Krishna. But they do it as a ritual. They do it as a tradition. They do it as a spiritual exercise. They do it as a discipline. Therefore, Krishna does not come to save them in the same way. So many people go to church and chant the prayers. But Jesus does not come to save them. Because God reciprocates according to the quality of how we call out for him. So please understand, you are in the perfect situation to attain the highest goal of life. Because you know you're sick. You realize your weaknesses. You can call out the name of God, you can chant the name of God helplessly, hopelessly. As Draupadi did. And have faith, complete faith, that if you chant the name of God with the same sincerity as Draupadi, God will come to you just as he did for her. And just as he has for all the great saints throughout history who have come to the same conclusion as Draupadi. So, please take the opportunity God has given you. Take your problem as a blessing of God. See that the doors are open wide for you to the kingdom of God. Take shelter of holy men, holy women, and cry out for the name of God and have complete faith that he will respond, he will save you, he will give you the strength to overcome all your weaknesses. He will give you divine life, eternal peace, and he will give you the opportunity to share that eternal peace and that divine happiness with everyone you come in contact with in life. And there is no greater pleasure than that. Thank you very much.